So today there is quite a lot of news going on about the minimum wage, especially Biden's plan to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And he's probably going to get it because you know, he's got both the House and the Senate. And of course, he's president. And Kamala Harris, I mean, she's not going to reject a $15 minimum wage. And so, you know, it's, it's very, very likely that uh, $15 minimum wage, we're going to get it. And, you know, what's, what's funny is I saw that uh, right now, fast food workers at places like McDonald's and Wendy's and whatever are on strike. Uh, and they're on strike fighting for a $15 minimum wage. But the irony of it is the unintended, unintended consequences that are going to come from a $15 minimum wage that uh, is going to affect the fast food workers the most. Because minimum wages don't help the fast food workers. You know, you have to, you have to remember that the margin, the profit margin of fast food restaurants is not, it's not very high. And when you're increasing the minimum wage from $7.25 to $15, you know, that's a 100% increase. Now, here's the thing. Uh, minimum wage earners, people who actually earn $7.25, there's only like 2% of those guys. 2%. So most people don't earn uh, $15 an hour just because of the fact that the free market price for wages is, for most people, uh, over $7.25. And so like two people earn $7.25 an hour, but a $15 minimum wage is going to raise the wages of a lot of people. But you know, it's also going to put a lot of people out of work. And if you look at the uh, long-term unemployment rate, you know, right now it's roughly at 40%. So it's the people who are out, uh, unemployed for longer than six months. Now, it's, it's quite obviously, you know, it's quite obvious why there are so many people who are unemployed for over six months. I mean, first of all, you got COVID. So a lot of people are, are being fired and they can't return to work. But then you may say, okay, well, there's the, uh, there's the PPP loans, right? So if you keep your employees, the government is going to loan you money, right? And uh, so, I mean, theoretically, the the unemployment rate shouldn't be you know lowered because uh, you could uh, have your loan uh, forgiven and you know the rate is still near the great recessions uh, uh, long-term unemployment rate and so you might you might ask why that is and a very good and 
obvious reason is because of the stimulus packages, which are also probably going to be increased to $2,000. So just be prepared for this long-term unemployment rate uh, growing even higher. And what's funny is that the increase in the stimulus and the increase in the minimum wage might actually, you know, there's a, there's a counter effect to these two uh, proposals or I, I, let's just call them proposals right now because a, a $15 minimum wage is going to, you know, want, it's going to make workers want to work, but you're increasing the uh, stimulus to $2,000. And so a lot of people are not going to want to work. But here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing. You have to focus on the, <laughs> you have to focus on the uh, supply side. If you're going to make the minimum wage $15, maybe there aren't going to be that many suppliers of jobs. Especially since small businesses are obviously not doing very well right now. So with that, I also found a survey. It's on uh, Yahoo Finance. And, uh, you know, it's over, there's over a thousand respondents. Um, it's called the Harris Poll. So uh, on this poll, uh, they're asking the people, what is the highest minimum wage increase you support? And so for uh, the majority, you got 35% and they're, they're saying, let's make the minimum wage 13 to $15 an hour. You got 29% saying uh, uh, 10 to 12. You got... 6% saying more than $20 an hour. Uh, you have 6% also saying less than $10 an hour, uh, but still above the, minim the current minimum wage. Uh, you know, you have 3% saying I would lower the minimum wage to less than $7.25 an hour. So you basically have pretty much everybody, you know, there's 3% disagreeing, but you pretty much have everybody supporting an increase uh, to the minimum wage, which, I mean, uh, you know, why is 10 better than 15 or why is 13 better than 12 or why is, you know, 15 better than 11.298 or because uh, you know what makes a specific number so great you know other than the fact that it rounds well <laughs> you know the rounding makes a number look very very attractive compared to you know I mean no one's going to vote for a 13.526 dollar minimum wage I mean, everyone's going to vote for a $15 minimum wage, and probably you'll get more people voting for a $12 minimum wage than a poorly rounded number. And, you know, a lot of people want minimum wages because 
uh, the costs of living have outgrown the costs of wages. And so you pretty much have, if you, if you look at the price of housing, the price of college and healthcare, especially the last two, they have grown at a rate far faster than wages have. And so, you know, people, uh, I guess rightfully so, you know, they think that uh, they need more money and they, they, they do need more money. And they think that the minimum wage, increasing the minimum wage is the way to get that money. But unfortunately, it's not. Because you have to look at people and whether the employers are willing to provide the jobs at increased wages. But before, you know, really going into why the prices of uh, health care and college has increased so much, because, I, you know, I think there are, <laughs> there are good reasons for that. Um, and a lot of that has to do with some of the uh, government policies. But going uh, to the minimum wage and uh, the earnings of workers, you know, people think that the minimum wage will make workers wealthier. And from 725 to 15, that's a 100% increase. Now, I'm sure that most people aren't expecting a 100% increase in their paycheck. And I hope a lot of people are prepared to be laid off because the chances of that happening with a $15 minimum wage is very, 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 very high. And the other argument uh, against the minimum wage that a lot of people use is, you know, the, well, since they can't pay their uh, employees that much and they, their margins aren't high enough, they're going to raise their prices. But I think most businesses today are, uh, especially the larger businesses today, are more technologically advanced and they have more capital. And so a lot of them might switch to automation. That is an, uh, another thing that a lot of people forget to uh, fear, especially when the automation replaces workers. But automation replacing workers alone as of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a bad thing when you got automation replacing workers, but the workers can't find jobs. And so the workers aren't doing anything. And with this, we're probably going to see some type of universal basic income, right? The, the stimulus isn't really going to end, especially when you're probably going to get a surge in unemployment, especially for the workers who are unemployed right now. Because right now, the, the unemployed workers, who are they? Well, they're, they're probably not the guy who's uh, got a job that he could work at home. Probably not the computer guy. Probably not the financial people. It's the low-earning service sector employees that are being laid off. And it's going to be extra difficult for these people to go and find jobs once the stimulus hopefully ends. 
Now, I don't know if it's going to end or not, and there's a, uh, certainly a chance that it won't end, and it's going to be with us forever, just like how a lot of people think that the, the, the coronavirus is going to be with us forever. Uh, it's also possible that the stimulus, universal basic income, is going to be with us forever also. Now, unlike Andrew Yang, you know, he's proposing $1,000, we might get $2,000. Uh, so Biden's just doubling down on the Andrew Yang proposal. But the, the thing with the minimum wage is that the, the, the argument uh, for it, a lot of it is, you know, people say, well, $7 an hour, I can't live on it. Because everything's so expensive, I'm I'm living in Manhattan, for example. I can't I can't live on seven twenty five an hour. But the thing is, I, I I doubt anyone living in Manhattan is making seven twenty five an hour. Now, people in Alaska might be, and I I probably think there are quite a few people living in Alaska that make seven twenty five an hour. So you really have to. You have to think about, well, what is living wage? You know, that's a term that everyone loves to use. What is living wage? Well, it's obviously different for uh, different states, different cities, right? You're not going to, you're not ex going to expect someone who lives in New York to be paying the same amount in expenses and rent and food as someone who lives in Alaska is. And so what's better than establishing a $15 federal minimum wage is letting the states and cities decide. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea either, but I'm just saying it's less detrimental than just letting the federal government decide for everybody. Because, I mean, obviously, people... Uh, mayors and governors, you know, although they might not really know what's going on with their cities or states, they probably have more uh, knowledge about their own places than the federal government does. Because the federal government is controlling everybody, but these guys are just controlling themselves. And so it's much better to let these guys decide for their own places than for the federal government just to come in and uh, just to set regulations and rules for everybody. Because again, different places have different living requirements and really no one in a very expensive city or state is making a, a very low sum of income because no employer would be able to get jobs offering that much money, you know, that little money. And so there's obviously the free market balance, which I could go in depth more into uh, in another episode. But I, I just wanted to focus on some of the 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 more broad the main arguments for and against the minimum wage and 
know, uh, one thing that people say for the minimum wage is, you know, while uh, this is uh, perfectly fine because this is going to uh, be good for businesses, it's going to encourage employees to work harder and, you know, they're going to feel like they're being paid more and so they're, they're going to work harder for their increased salaries. Are there really? I mean, are they really going to work harder just because they're earning more money? Or do you earn money more money because you're working harder? You know, you have to ask which comes first. And, you know, let's say you're earning seven twenty-five, and now you're earning $15. Can you really work double as hard? I mean, you're working 40 hours a week normally. Can you work 80 hours a week now? There's really no way you could compensate for your wages to the same degree that your wages increase. And it's not a good thing that uh, your wages increase faster than your uh, productivity does because that's a very good indicator that you're going to be fired very soon. And again, that that comes back to the back to the question of, well, are you going to benefit some at the expense of others? And uh, you very likely are. And uh, so a lot of people say, if you're working over forty hours uh, a week, you should not be living in poverty. But unfortunately for these guys. A lot of them are going to have their hours cut from 40 to zero. And, I mean, they're still going to be living in poverty. But uh, unlike the, the, the prior definition of poverty, you know, they're going to be living in some extreme version of poverty. Or maybe they're not with their new $2,000 a month UBI. And, of course... You know, a lot of people say, uh, well, you know, it doesn't matter because, you know, this is, the, you know, a lot of people think this is only going to benefit teenagers who work part-time jobs and, uh, you know, are living with their parents just to spend uh, extra money. But no, this is going to hurt the teenagers. <laughs> this is going to prevent the teenagers from being able to find their first jobs. And a lot of people have to work from you know, lower paying jobs to gain experience, to gain knowledge, and then they can eventually find higher paying jobs because of all of the skills they've accumulated from their lower paying jobs that they've worked at when they were younger. And uh, so a lot of people say, okay, well, you know, according to the Economic Policy Institute, you know, who benefits from a higher minimum wage? You know, it's your average 36-year-old who are not teens, obviously. And, uh, you know, a lot of them have children. A lot of them work uh, full-time or a lot of part-time jobs. But here's the thing. If you're 36 years old, uh, a good question for you is... 
I mean, you've been probably working at uh, your part-time or full-time job for maybe a decade. Now, some people, some people, uh, they go into college, they get a useless degree, mostly in the uh, liberal arts or stuff like philosophy. <laughs> Gender studies is becoming a more popular one. Um, and they can't find jobs. Well, uh, you know, a good question is, what, what were you thinking before you, uh, before you uh, entered college? You know, why are you going into college to learn something that does not make you any more employable than if you didn't spend those four years and spend, what, 50, 100K on college? And of course, you know, there's a there's a now there's a new probability. It's not really new, but there's a probability that you know Biden is going to forgive 50k worth of student loan debts. So for all those guys or gals studying gender studies, it's a great time to load up on your student loan debt because uh, you're not going to at least uh, waste as much money on it if your student loan does get forgiven. But anyhow, you know, the according to the Economic Policy Institute, uh, the people who will be affected by a minimum wage, 37% of them are 40 or older. But what are you doing if you're 40 and over and still making minimum wage, right? Uh, if, if you've had decades of, you know, if, if you've had working experience there for a decade, maybe two decades, and I, I mean, who knows? It says 40 or older, so I mean, it could be three, four, five decades. It could be to any number of years, but if you've spent all of that time working there and you have not gathered any skills or knowledge that makes you more employable than a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old, I mean, what have you been doing? Look, as you get older, you're supposed to become smarter, you're supposed to become wiser, you're supposed to have more skills, of course you're supposed to have more savings, more investments, more assets, and your knowledge, your, your, your experience, your skills, they're supposed to make you more employable than a guy who, who just entered high school, or a gal who just entered high school, I can't be, can't be a sexist here, but what how how can you be 40 years old and not have any more skills not be any more employable than a than a 14 year old can be and of course you know you could say there's no opportunities but are there really no opportunities i mean you could save some money invest some money you know maybe you could start some type of business on the side. Now, it's obviously easier said than done, but 
you know, you, you have decades to work on it. So it's it's not that difficult. And of course, saving right now is not uh, <laughs> it's not such a great idea, especially since interest rates are so low and uh, inflation. But it, these are not causes of the free market. And these are causes of central banks. So, I mean, if, if you want to blame, blame your problems, a lot of them, I mean, you shouldn't blame them on capitalism. You should blame them on central planning. And uh, you should also blame them on uh, wasting time. Because, again, if you're 40 or older, how have you not gotten a promotion over decades? Have how have you not, you know, risen to maybe a management position? Which some people it only takes them two, three years. You know, over decades you have not been able to increase your market value of your labor. So that I mean, that's completely your fault. You have not learned any new skills. You have not learned uh, any new knowledge. You have not increased your financial uh, knowledge. And and that's why uh, a lot of people can't live on what they're earning. Now, if if you're earning minimum wage, uh, there's a very good chance you probably won't have any money left to save. But after working for decades, you should have had increased your earning potential. And obviously, learning uh, skills or education online doesn't cost uh, money. A lot of it, most of it, I mean, you could find some very educational things online and it doesn't cost money. If you don't have a computer even, I mean, you could use your phone, you could go to the library. Uh, I don't know many people who are that broke. But there's another argument where they say, uh, you know, 28% of people who will be affected by minimum wage have children. Okay, well, you should not be supporting a family you should not be having children if you're making minimum wage. And do not believe that you're going to increase your market value. The market value of your labor, if it's going to stay the same, why would you have children? Right? You want to have a steady paying job. You, ha- you want to have to be able to raise your children in a you know, financially responsible, financially competent family before you have children. And so you should, I mean, you shouldn't be having children and then finding a job or, you you know, you shouldn't be raising children with a, with a minimum wage paying job. And, um, obviously, you know, a lot of people want to have children, and uh, some people are saying that, well, it should be a right to have children. 
okay, that's fair, but it, you know, it, it should be a right to have children, but it should not be a right to make your children, uh, let's say, well off if you're making minimum wage. You know, it's a, it's a matter of should you, not could you. And it, it, just because you can do something doesn't mean it's a good idea to do it. Now, it, you know, it's unfortunate for the child, but, it, it, I mean, it's also unfortunate for you because now you have to take care of a child that you can't financially because, I mean, you maybe made a mistake or, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you were thinking, but you, you shouldn't be having a, you know, you shouldn't be having children if you're not financially stable at all. And uh, talking about children, so the, <laughs> so Mitt Romney, you know, he was talking about a, a plan to give households up to $4,200 annually for each young child. Now, again, I, I think it's kind of to promote this uh, equal opportunity type thing. But the, the problem with this is, you know, the, the, the equal opportunity thing sounds, you know, it sounds good. And it's a, I, 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 I'm not completely against it. But the problem is, you know, you also have to ask, what does it cost? And when when you ask that question, well, you're basically saying, okay, well, uh, so your neighbor has a child. Now you basically have to you have to pay and take care of your neighbor's child, right? It's like a, it's like adoption, except you don't have custody of the child. <laughs> That's basically what it is. I mean, it's just adoption without custody, and. Uh, I mean, if you think about it that way, it kind of sounds like a just a dumb idea. But uh, I don't want to go too much off topic now, and I, I want to just kind of wrap up the episode uh, explaining why the free market minimum wage uh, is the best setter. Uh, of the minimum wage. Now, it, it sometimes when you implement a minimum wage, if it's so low that it's a, it's under the, uh, let's say, the average free market minimum wage, you know, it doesn't do much. It might uh, prevent some, you know, a few people from getting jobs. You know, it might prevent maybe some disabled people from uh, getting jobs. Uh, but... You know, if the if the minimum wage is much under the the free market wage, then you you kind of don't do much. But if it's over the free market wage, that's when you begin to have a very big problem regarding the amount of people who are employed. But so here's why the free market offers the best wages. Because just like the prices of anything, you have a supply side and a demand side. And I'll, I'll give you a very good example, actually, to wrap up. 
you know, I, I won't go too deep into the the, the wage uh, thing today. I could in another episode, but this one's getting kind of long. Uh, you know, wages are just prices of labor. And if you think of it that way, you can also think of uh, prices of food, maybe. And if the government caps the maximum price of labor to, let's say, $15, or, or, or sorry, the minimum price of labor to $15, you know, why doesn't the government uh, cap the minimum price of food? <laughs> right? I mean, if, if the government is, is wonderful at determining the minimum prices of labor, you know, why shouldn't the government decide the, the minimum prices of food? Right? So uh, next time you go to the grocery store and you say, huh, let, let's make all of their employees uh, earn at least $15 an hour. And, uh, you know, the federal government has the responsibility to do it. I mean, why don't you also think, hey... This loaf of bread looks great. Now, the federal government should make it at least $2. Because uh, when you understand that, you know, everything that is, let's say, exchanged has a price to it. And the price of labor is really no different from the price, uh, the price of food or the price of electricity or the price of anything being sold because you're when you're working you're just selling your labor you might kind of uh, start to question whether the government should set maximums or minimums on prices because uh, the price of bread is no better set by the government than the price of labor is <laughs>